You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello and welcome back to the Oz Network for our continued coverage of Total Drama Island. Uh, that was my best Christmas McLean impersonation. <laughs> uh, I thought that was him. Yeah, oh, we're one and the same, so <laughs> I'll work on it for the next one. But um, we're back here to cover episode three after last week's double whammy of a two-parter. We're here back on our continued, our regular coverage or weekly coverage here of the series. And we're moving on to episode three, The Big Sleep, I think is what the episode was called. Or at least Jared lied to me and told me that that was what the episode <laughs> was called. Um, we'll find out. Uh, as always, I am your host, Rossi, and I ate all the big beans and maple syrup. <laughs> and my name is Colin, national symbol and a real fine hat. And my name is Jared, and I want to know which one of you stole my MP3 player. <laughs> uh, don't rage, don't rage. We'll find it. Uh, yeah, a lot to get to in this contentious episode called the big sleep uh some love it some have questionable taste on it um (laughs) (laughs) but we will get to that um so i feel like now that we're we're past the premiere stage we're kind of really into the the season like you know the first two episodes are really kind of just sort of getting into you know who everyone is and kind of how the show is structured and formatted we went through kind of like a challenge part we went through like a, a you know a strategy session we went through kind of the tribal council of it all and all that stuff and now we're finally in the the trenches of it and sort of have like a standard episode to cover uh now that we've gotten past the kind of premiere phase and sort of this one starts with chris waking everyone up at 7 a.m and you know little is not a farmer so she doesn't wake up at 7 a.m uh, and so you know this kind of says hey chris kind of says like hey this is today's challenge so get ready come out um and the challenge in air quotes is that they have to run 20 kilometers um or or as they as they think that this is the challenge and you know the last of the the kitchen is is the loser so like the other team would win or whatever um so we really get into it obviously this is not the challenge if you follow the episode but everyone thinks that it is you know People like Owen are falling over, uh, drinking like river water or whatever because he can't run. Um, you've got like a collection of people who are just walking, like Gwen and like Harold are just walking because they're not going to run. Like Heather's stomps over Owen on the ground, and then some of the other people are really giving it their all and really running. Um, Tyler was not energized that morning, so he was really slow and stuff like that. So keeping the challenge going but also really keeping the characters really to themselves and making sure that they maintain their um personal identity and stuff and then we at this point we also get introduced to eva's mp3 player which will play a big part in this week's episode um you know she's very happy with her music and like don't let anyone kind of interrupt her with that so um and then we get to kind of get to the cabin get to the the dining hall and you know, Owen runs in and he's like carrying Noah and he's like, we need like a medic or something like that and stuff like that. And and then the second Gwen puts the math together, like, hey, we're the first ones here. Like everyone jumps up and screams, even Noah, who was like conscious on the conscious like moments ago, he jumps up too and everything. And 
think Chris like kind of introduces that it wasn't the challenge and then he opens up a big feast of like looks like Thanksgiving food um, for everyone because there was a large turkey and beans and mashed potatoes um, I, I did hear the reference where Owen was like the Nanaimo bars were there too <laughs> which I now know because of the Amazing Race Canada uh, a lot of Amazing Race Canada references on this podcast but um, yeah just kind of setting up before the actual challenge like just a lot of character identity and stuff like that seeing some people who were left out of the previous episode uh kind of coming in their own now and sort of starting this episode of bait and switch challenge colin how are you in this now that you're in like a normal episode how are you feeling um well first i just want to throw out there an amazing race australia reference that it actually starts off uh with tonight the most dramatic campfire ceremony yet which is great that this is about to be the second campfire ceremony, and he's saying the most dramatic uh, one yet. That's great. Um, was he wrong? <laughs> he wasn't wrong. No, but that's like it, it's exactly the Amazing Race Australia, isn't it? Uh, but um, I kind of have mixed feelings on this episode. Um, similar to the last one, you know, it's all challenge, but I think we get a lot more strategy developing in little bits of time. Uh, but I, I found that the the division of the challenges to be the biggest problem here. I won't get into the whole, you know, sleepathon yet, but like, I like this opening stuff of the, the 20 kilometer run around the lake. Um, especially when somebody says that you have like a minute, it's like a oh, one minute's not enough time to eat breakfast. Uh, the, the, the most fun stuff in here that I'm actually going to say again is the Owen stuff where it's just sort of those little lines every once in a while that catch you off guard where he's sort of panting and he's like, can't catch breath must have condition because <laughs> if that's his problem which is great uh but yeah like there's some fun stuff in here and I, I i like the way you referred to it last week where you said these challenges are essentially just there to torture the contestants which again is such a reality show tv thing to do um but the fact that they say we're going to make you go for this incredible run and then we're going to feed you this massive feast just to make you tired because you have to stay awake after that is a perfect way of setting it up and explaining this episode. But um, this early stuff's okay. I just feel like it's too brief. Like, if I have one problem with this episode, it's that we have two challenges. And just like last week, you had the jumping off the cliff, which took the majority of the the screen time but then you had a good amount with carrying the crates and then building the uh the hot tubs and everything and this time it's like it's two minutes and over and done with the whole run and the feast thing and then we just have 20 minutes straight of people trying to stay awake jared are you a fan of the challenge setup (laughs) rossi sounds like he's devastated right now but i'm not crapping on the episode challenge (laughs) i love i love the so i think it has a good payoff i I, like at the time i suppose i was a bit disappointed that it wasn't like this was the actual challenge um i love that the 7 a.m wake up call is classified as uh super early um (laughs) Which I suppose makes sense given that uh, the entire cast is teenagers, but like really, like they could have pushed this a lot further with it 5 a.m. or 4 a.m. or, or even 6 a.m. Um, 7 a.m. clearly too early for any rational person to, <laughs> to, to wake up. And then I think this is um, 
what I took away from this is it would be really hard as a new viewer to differentiate people throughout this challenge because everybody's in amongst each other. There's no clear team separation that we got in kind of the first challenge. Like Harold's walking with Gwen, like you said, Rossi. There's just like there's more mixing of the teams and and what's going on at this point. I loved um, one of the rare Owen moments. I loved was him, yeah, drinking the water and then the Heather coming along and and fat shaming him <laughs> and walking over the top of him. I thought was really funny and the fact that they get like this big feast and then yeah it is just that thing of like here's a thanksgiving uh dinner and um a run to to wear you out for this second part of the challenge coming up i love to uh the noah moments and never just him like i feel he's not really ever really explored as a character at this point he's always like an offhand involved in uh, other people's uh, setups where he's carried in and, and there's this whole CPR moment um, but he just really never gets to say anything at this point in the show I completely forgot about that uh, Heather moment when Owen was like I must have a condition and she's like yeah it's overeating <laughs> like oh, I forgot about that. that was so good and then Lashana comes up and she's like too tired to snack talk uh just yeah, some great stuff in there. Um, and then sort of like the whole thing was the run, and then the food was essentially trying to make them as tired and exhausted as possible. So the real challenge can begin, which is the awakeathon, where they have to. The last one still standing is the winner for their team, and so you know this whole run and the food was supposed to tire them out, so that it would be easier to fall asleep. Although, given how long this challenge lasts, it didn't do as well as it might have hoped to, to challenge everyone. Um, like you said, Jared, it was a little hard to distinguish like who was on what team just because there were so many kind of cuts and it really didn't show like, oh, this is you know Gwen and she's on this team and she's really doing it hard for them or the other way around. So I, I can see why there'd be some confusion about kind of distinguishing the, the tribes here and, and who's kind of aligning with who or with stuff like that. But this was the first episode that really started the um, initiation of really the first alliance. We officially kind of can put a stamp on here uh, with Heather saying that she wants to get to the end like any way that she can. And she's trying to find someone dumb enough and someone, uh, you know, agreeable enough that she could get kind of control them and get them to the end as far as much as she can or use them as far as she'll be willing to. And, And that happens to be Lindsay and Beth. And they sort of form this little girls alliance on their on their tribe just to to secure each other but it's essentially like heather's like you're gonna do whatever i say right and sort of that's the formation of the first alliance that we officially kind of can put down and stamp a little bit of strategy um and then within the challenge itself we got some character moments like um i guess i'll just kind of lump the whole challenge in at once kind of since it's pretty much the entire episode um but like you know, people like Justin painting his eyes over so that he can sleep, but like look like he's still awake. Um, you know, Courtney was standing up the entire time, like trying to run, stay al- like alive. Um, you know, Lindsay was on her head at some point, trying to get the blood to flow to her brain, which I don't know what was supposed to accomplish, but she did it. Um, Owen sleepwalking, which was a large part of the episode. In the very end, it'll come back, and he goes back to the cliff and everything. Um, within this, we also get the sort of the starting of the romantic 
interest between uh, Gwen and Trent and sort of their pairing off um, <clears throat> and just a whole bunch of stuff. We get the history of Canada, the book, you know, <laughs> chef dressing up, chef dresses up as like the ballet uh, performer, the, the, the lullaby stories, you know, characters falling asleep in odd positions, you know, Tyler dreams that like a bear attacks Katie and Sadie, just like a whole bunch of stuff, you know, Duncan passing out on the toilet, like a whole bunch of great stuff within this. And, like, you may not love the challenge, but this is, like, the one challenge I always, like, stand, that stands out most in my memory of the show. Just because I think it was so, like, unique and memorable. and It, it just, it, it left an impression on me, so. Like, the things that work about this episode, in particular this challenge, is that, like the cliff jumping in the last one, you know, they're taking something that's very common in Survivor an endurance challenge and they're putting an interesting spin on it, making it like so over the top and so ridiculous. Um, there's just little things in here that I felt like could have been done differently. Like a, I don't think that it needed to be the entirety of the episode because they really do have what I liked in this episode was the drama that started. It's the, the Alliance with, um, uh, let's see, Heather, Lindsay, and who's the third girl. Beth, Beth. So that, that Alliance, the fact that we have an Alliance starting and this is, this character who's emerging as the villain, which, by the way, I'm still standing with my winner's pick at this point of Heather, um, just because I, I feel like if this were a real reality show, there's no way she would win, and I think that's trying to throw throw us off the scent, but uh, at least in whatever part of the world that she becomes the winner. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> we'll still have to wait to see that. Um, but this is where I think it worked better with the cliff jumping because you can just sort of be over and done with it. You, you can get every character have their moment and each character's moment takes no more than five seconds. But here, because this challenge is running for some like three and a half days, I think by the final count of whatever math the, the they come up with with the hours um, and each character kind of needs a clever way to get it. Yeah. They find a lot of clever ways to write the characters out. Like I like the falling asleep on the toilet. You know, I really got to go. And then he falls asleep in there. The pain in the eyelids one. I, I just feel like, some of these could have been five-second gags, like the eyelid painting. Like, I realized what it was probably a whole minute before the joke was actually played out, and that, that would have been a perfect opportunity to just cut that one short and then be done with it. You move on to somebody or use some of that extra time for the first challenge or for, you know, the strategizing at the end. Um, I'm almost more judging this the same way I was judging a reality show, which it, that's kind of the fun thing about this is that, uh, you you look at this show from the perspective of was it funny? It's a comedy. Okay, was it you know uh, clever? It's sort of a satire. Is it intriguing as a story? And that's what I sort of wanted more of because they introduced it in this one. Uh, but I got to throw out there the the line of the episode again from Owen. And again, I'm I'm gonna be interested to see my reaction throughout because you guys have said you're not huge fans of Owen. Uh, but let's add on there. It's like, stay awake for twelve hours. I can do that in my sleep. Like, come on, that's brilliant. Give me that. And he has some moments. I mean, that I'll give the the line from the first episode about I don't want to sleep with girls. I think that was <laughs> a better one than. I mean, I feel like the I can do that in my sleep is like been there. I, I get like the sleeping in your sleep. I get not sleep. Yeah, it's fine. It was not the mm. best often. Yeah, I feel like my issue with with Owen is more so at this point in the show that he's already. Um, 
such a big character and he takes up so much screen time that could be dedicated to um, Rude. <laughs> he's not that fast. I I get that. out yeah. <laughs> uh, some of the other characters. Um, Let's just all not, fat shame him, okay? <laughs> well, I gotta jump on the uh, head of that bandwagon at this point. Yeah, I don't want to vote me out of the podcast. Um, I think it's a fun challenge. I my issue with it is it's really hard to kind of keep track of of, of what's happening throughout. Um, there's no clear distinction of who's falling asleep at what point in yes. time. We see kind of characters close their eyelids and then open them back up and they're not actually asleep. And then even the, the dream sequence, um, which we find out is a, a dream for, is it, is it Cody? Um, like it's just, it was really hard to keep track of what's happening and they have the numbers going up and down on either side, but it's just difficult to distinguish who's in what, tribe with the way that it's um set out and then who's actually asleep or who's just nodded off for a second but they're not out of the challenge yet like it's stupid to like point out the rules of a cartoon show but like the rules aren't clear enough uh, <laughs> at, at this point in the challenge um i do love to give him credit the owen sequence of him swimming upstream um <laughs> up the waterfall i think is yeah. one of my my favorite moments of the entire episode um but other than that there's just a lot going on i feel like in in a lot of the episode you find it very hard to distinguish what's happening and who's um on what team but i do love like we've mentioned that we're starting to see some of the strategy kind of come into this episode with that alliance of three forming and then you have the bond between um gwen and trent coming into play and uh lindsay kind of wanting to work with Tyler and Heather shutting that down. There's a lot more of of the relationships between characters that we're seeing at this point that are kind of building up to, um, I suppose, uh, further down the season and how the dynamics are going to play out between different characters. Can I just add something? Sort of came to my mind what Jared was saying. Like we're just seeing there's a lot going on, but I feel like it's a lot of the same things. It's like how is this person going to fall asleep and. They, they sort of missed an opportunity in this episode. The best part of this challenge is where they, they missed the boat because bringing the book out, the most boring, sleep-inducing thing, the history of Canada, the pop-up book, but it's not just a book, it's a pop-up book, and that whole, the beaver, national symbol, and a real fine hat, like, that was really clever, but it, it's something that you see in reality shows, and if you're going to have one challenge take up 75 to 80% of your episode... Have the host do those things that we see Jeff Probst doing. You know, hey, who wants pizza? You know, it's tempting people to fall asleep. You know, so have him do things like that. And we only really got the one moment to that in this entire challenge, and the rest of it was, well, how is this person going to fall asleep? I will say, as like a, a little bit of a counter, I can see I, valid concerns about a lot of the challenge. He said, like we there was a lot shown, but we didn't really see a lot, like in the same in the way that you kind of put it, but as like a counter to that, I think that there was the challenge was more. So just really trying to use like a full length of time that they could use to set up sorts of the, the strategy and the relationships that we're going to need to see later on. Cause I, I would argue that the cliff jumping was really entertaining and we saw a lot of character, you know, you know, hurting themselves or chickening out and doing down that. Like we saw the characters, but we didn't see the strategy. And I think that this gave us the chance to like add that strategy element into it. Like we saw the Alliance and we saw 
something else that I didn't mention, but I'm going to reference later, but like stuff that we really impact the game full, you know, till the end versus just like, haha, funny character moments or good, better story. I think that this sets up stuff that we, that you definitely haven't seen, you know, play out yet. Mm. So I, I, that would be my one argument. I can see why, like, we got a lot of scenes that didn't really do anything yet, but I think that a lot of what they did was set up for the future. That sometimes we, you know, we get sort of these uneventful moments in, in reality TV just to set up to a better moment later on. I feel like that was kind of what this episode was. But one of the big things of this episode that like really plays an impact on the, the results of this episode is that Eve goes Eva goes to the bathroom at one point and like she drops her MP3 player, which Heather sees and swipes. And, you know, Lindsay's like, isn't that Eva's? Isn't she going to be mad that she noticed it's gone? And Heather's like, that's the point. And then this obviously plays out when they lose the challenge and she's starting to freak out that she like raids the cabin. She like can't find it. And Heather's like, Oh, this thing, I saw it on the, the trail. You must've dropped it and just casually walks away and like leaves people to, to stew in the drama of the situation. And, and I think even more painfully clear than a uh, last elimination. This one seems even more clear to me. Um, but yes. Yeah, so like they, the Heather's really coming strong with the strategy of, of figuring out what she can do uh, with, you know, breaking people and trying to turn people against each other. Uh, the most genius move we've seen so far in the game. You kind of have to get a show like Survivor or just reality TV in general to get how intuitive the writers are in picking up on these little things that if if you were to just tell somebody who watches reality TV casually write an animated parody of reality TV, it would be things like, I'm going to form an alliance with you, and oh, I don't trust this person. But the stolen MP3 pair, like, that's a nod to the beef jerky from Australian Outback. Like, like I, I have to be right on that, because it's somebody using something, like, taking something, and it's invading somebody's personal space, not in the way of recent seasons, different invasion of personal space, uh, to kind of, you know, get people turning against them. And the way that it plays out differently, but like the way that, you know, Jerry saying, you know, Oh, I saw beef jerky in his bag. And then it gets people to turn on him kind of in the way, because his reaction wasn't necessarily what they thought it would be. And that's the exact same thing here. You know, she's not doing it's It's not just as simple of I'm going to steal this just to get her angry. No, she's doing this to get her angry so that she has an explosion like this. So people don't trust her. So, that's one of the things I'm really into with this show is just those little details where you're like, this is the way it would play in a real reality show. You could learn how to play Survivor by watching Total Drama Island, if that makes any sense. I agree. I think it's it's um, such a fun moment and such like a key. Uh, you can tell who, who's ever written this has, has watched before and it references so many things. Um, and it's one of those... I suppose strategies that keeps coming back as well. Like when I watch it, I think of later seasons of Survivor the Ed after this. I think of Abby's bracelet um, getting lost or on Australian Survivor when um, in season uh, one slash three, um, when Christy's bag goes missing and she accuses the whole tribe of taking it. When like, Dan's underwear goes missing on Worlds Apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's All a right. fact that you, you keeps didn't have coming to ruin out. It. People hiding socks, burning <laughs> socks, 
high yeah. machete, moving the flint. Um, yeah, exactly. It's kind of like a classic move um, to create drama and dissension amongst the camp. And the fact that on like this show here, like it's able to do it for like the opposite team as well is um, I think just really clever writing and, and a really kind of nice thread that explains uh, what happens throughout the rest of the episode. I think what makes it really smart is that it's not just like, oh, here's this trope, we're going to incorporate it, but we're going to use this like trope and theme and just like twist it a little bit. Still have the same effect, like create paranoia, create drama, create suspense, but it's not going to play out like we've seen it play out. Like, like you said, like, you know, in Christie's bag or Abby's bracelet, everyone was just like, that person was freaking out. But like, this was just like, now it's like they're going to freak out, but like it's because of this setup that they're going to now be eliminated because now that they overreacted for no reason kind of deal. Um, whereas those people weren't immediately voted out for that reason. Like the, this situation like plays for a, like a longer term situation. Uh, and, and it really sets up who Heather is and what she's kind of here to do. Um, she's here to win and we'll see if Colin lives up to that. Yeah. <laughs> you put the curse on her. Oh, I mean, I, I never, we, we've listened to our own podcasts. We uh, have been on some of them. Some of us have been on some of them. Um, my predictions never come true. So <laughs> at this point, I don't hold much hope based on my past track record, but I do have a rational explanation as to why I think she's going to win. Mm, 12 years after the fact, you've, you've cursed Heather and then changed the <laughs> yes. ending of the season. <laughs> Well, we, it's not the only ending, right? Yeah. <laughs> Who knows how many more of these are going <laughs> to shove down your throat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but sort of after he- uh, Heather gives back the thing and Eva's like calmed down and like not overreacted, they have their ceremony, the bonfire ceremony, tribal council. Um, the most uh, clear cut of it. Uh, I like this small detail of like, everyone you can still see that everyone's still so exhausted from like having stayed up for an ungodly amount mm. of hours like the they all bags under their eyes yeah <laughs> like the detail of that like still having them animated like that in the you know the tribal council scene like they're just like all ready to pass out like some of them barely could get out of their chair to to get up their marshmallow and stuff like some good stuff like that that makes it kind of pulls all together um and what chris calls the most epic or what was it the most dramatic bonfire ceremony yet um, is the most clear cut (laughs) ceremony yet Uh, there's no question that Eva was going to go like um, they throw Harold as the red herring but like was he even in the episode like I don't remember him at all my note says who who was this Harold guy (laughs) Uh, you said that probably says a lot about a lot of people though who is this noah person? yeah who is this justin like your answer half the time is Lindsay, right <laughs> yeah. uh but yeah so like harold's the red herring but he's not going anywhere and then eva leaves but she's not leaving happy she like does her best like uh judd from guatemala like i hope <laughs> you're gonna pay for this and as she leaves she throws her like um marshmallow skewer at courtney um she said goodbye <laughs> like <laughs> full-on raging out as she leaves on on the boat of losers uh and she gets she gets a confessional at the like on the boat she's like yeah my uh, my uh, anger got the better of me again uh, 
and then we sort of see Heather like giving another confessional in the outhouse, like that she planned this, that like they voted off one of their strongest members because of a stupid reason and stuff like that. And she's like, we've got this game in the bag. And the other team was trying to rally and stuff like that. So more simple, clean cut episode end, but uh, a lot of uh, interesting things that happened because of it. But Colin, how did the, how was the most epic bonfire ceremony ever to you well that line about the most dramatic bonfire ceremony yet is funnier when you realize it isn't anything but uh <laughs> uh which you know i appreciate that that line at the beginning but uh, as far as for the episode as a whole like i kind of wish that they had done something y- yeah you are going to have those episodes where it's just clear cut who's going to go but that's sort of my other problem you did do a good job of selling like they they set up strategy that's going to play out and alliance and stuff like that. But I still feel like that needs to be a bigger part of the episode, especially if there is just one choice as to who's going to go home, that it shouldn't have just been thrown out there. Oh, I stole the MP3 player and they bring it back once later. Like there's a lot of time in a 22 minute episode. And I just, I think that there's a lot of stuff in this episode that probably would have been cut to make this ending a little more dramatic. Uh, And if you're not going to make it that dramatic, then just have a generic, you know, this person goes home and people actually question on screen. Have Harold go home and go, who's Harold? You know, that would have been another way you could have played this episode. But it's just, eh, it's okay. I think all, I mean, like, we've kind of started to see the strategy development, but it's been all contained to the one, to the Screaming Gophers group. And then Killer Bass, apart from um, Inseparable Katie and Sadie, you don't know who's working together. It's Mm. just um, these little um, moments and these reactions to things throughout the episode that they're basing, like, their vote on. There's no larger plan that we're seeing here. So um, I agree that it's, like, it's a bit of a letdown. The Harold, like, decoy boot comes from nowhere. It's, like, why are they getting... Why is he on the chopping block at this point? Um, like, they could have sold it better from him being last in, in the initial run around the lake or whatever. Um, so definitely less suspense. I did love the, the storm out, and uh, it does throw back to, like you said, Rossi, so many moments of Jard in Guatemala and the Eliza stare in Vanuatu, <laughs> and then even, even like later moments uh in in later seasons of survivor it's like a classic exit of of people kind of um being annoyed and angry and and threatening revenge and telling people that they've made big mistakes um which is something i feel like we see a lot less of on survivor now so it's kind of refreshing to um to see the angry storm at exit um back in uh total drama island yeah, I was predicting the future before it even happened uh, with uh, some of these moments. But yeah, we, but I mean, true to the character of this Eva, who's like bodybuilder, aggressive, like anger management type. But uh, fortunately, she did not last very long. Uh, good thing you didn't put your winner pick on her, right, Colin? Oh, well, she was my second choice. Oh. If we were doing rankings for my season. <laughs> Um, you, your predictions will be very off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, that was the most epic bonfire ceremony <laughs> with the most epic exit of a contestant on Total Drama Island ever up until this point. Um, since we're at the close, we have to rate the episode. I feel like I'm the only one who's going to give a decent episode rate. Uh, <laughs> what do you give it? Look, I, I, I didn't not like this episode. Um, 
as far as just plain entertainment, I was probably, you know, just as entertained by this as I was the first episode, not as much as the second. Um, as far as like the drama, I do think we get a lot more out of it. Like it has me more intrigued in watching the rest of the season just because of the stories it developed. But as far as like the overall episode, like uh, this, this almost seems unfair to Bennett because I'm not saying this was bad, but I just feel like in comparison to what came before this and as far as did they succeed? Like, I don't feel you should walk out of a 22 minute animated episode and be like, yeah, they really could have done this. Like it was just too easy for me to come up with. This would have been more effective. So I'm going to give it a bin, but it was an entertaining bin. Um, I'm tossing up between bin and rent. I think the strategy from Heather on the Screaming Gophers group is enough to um, kind of drag it up into a low rent. Um, I do appreciate the MP3 playout reference too. It's like the one thing that, that's dated this show so far. Um, so for that reason alone, I think um, it can scrape into a rent. You guys are killing me. <laughs> I feel like if I was to be not ob- or no, I was if I was to be objective about this and like based on the critique that everyone's given and look at all those values, I would definitely probably put it in the rent category. I'm going to buy it because I think big surprise but the, 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 for like the nostalgia of this like this is the one challenge I always think of when I think of Total Drama Island like the staying awake challenge like I don't know why it stuck with me so much but it really has stuck with me so like, I'm gonna buy it because of that um, like if this wasn't the challenge in this episode I feel like yeah like maybe not a great episode otherwise so I would just probably rent it but like that's gonna carry it over for me and we we got our very own first uh, three layer Byron Bin on our split decision. I know. Uh, quick question. <laughs> quick question. Um, I, I love like as Jared was mentioning the, the idea of seven o'clock in the morning, which was great. Like, what is too early of a wake up time for either of you? Jared. Five. Five. Okay. Rossi. Um. Is it bad that I was just going to say seven? <laughs> You're going to say se- I figured you would say seven. <laughs> Generally, if like, uh, I often wonder, like, do, do, do people look at the hours and everything? Because uh, I don't really have a choice. I mean, if it was my choice, I'd love to sleep to like eight or nine o'clock. But I, I don't really sleep well in the first place. And on top of that, somebody in this house between Casper or one of the twins is probably going to be crying throughout the night. And Not Jamie. Uh, sometimes Jamie, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I'll I'll wake up at the slightest sound and won't be able to get back to sleep. But like, it's so funny because it was literally just today. Uh, somebody was talking about you know sleeping in, and I said you know I had my alarm set for six this morning, and I woke up at five o'clock and I thought to myself, man, it was nice to sleep in today. <laughs> but if I had my choice, I would. If it's if it's like five a.m., I'm with Jared. Like that's too early. Uh, and before we had all these kids, that would have been way too early. But I I, I just think it's funny because it, often, you know, Rossi will message me at a certain hour, in which I'm like, okay, I'm 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 too tired. I'm going to bed, and I'll get back to him at like six a.m. my time. And it generally is about nine or ten a.m. before Rossi responds to me. So I kind of figured Rossi would be the seven o'clock guy. I'm the the later hours of the day. 
And you're you're the morning hours of the day. Yeah, not by choice, but yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm like messaging you at one a.m. Hey, when are we doing this episode? And you're like yeah. asleep, <laughs> and you'll wake up in like three hours. Three hours later, I'm yeah. replying. <laughs> yeah, so it's always fun to message you because uh, our schedules are very different sometimes. Mm. So, uh, but yes, yeah, so no, I, I I'm with the, the teams of Total Drama Island too, too early. <laughs> Only farmers are up at that hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Only farmers, farmers and fathers of twins. Mm. <laughs> and crying wives. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, but everyone's tuned out by now that we started talking about our sleep schedules. Um, and yeah, and we hope to keep going with this coverage and you hope, keep hoping that Six you guys months. enjoy it too. For at least six months. Yeah, at least until this uh, ends. And then we either get uh, 20 five-star reviews or if we get a whole bunch of, please end this series now, please, please. Uh, we'll see. Uh, leave five-star reviews if you love this episode, especially if you love the crystal clear audio quality and uh, our great commentary and our sleep schedules. Put your sleep <laughs> schedule in the comments. Let us know when you what you think is too early to get up. And... That'll be it for us, right? Do I have anything else, Colin? I, I don't know, but um, let's, say, let's say no. Okay. Then we're leaving. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.